Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. Man, we are fired up about tonight's show. We got IndyCar back in action. Yep. Got a little F1 to talk about. I got a little World Superbikes to talk about. What else, Jonathan? We got some, we got some NASCAR to talk oh, about. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna soon catch up with ice hockey if they're not careful. <laughs> yeah. You know, it used to be I, I went to an ice hockey and, and uh, I went to some ice hockey. It. Yeah, you know, you, fi- know, you know. that a fight broke out. a fight broke out. But uh, it, it, another fight in NASCAR. Yeah. But a was, good one, too. That was a good one. That was a pretty serious Kyle Busch and Joey Logano. And it was uh, a knockout. I mean, it was uh, the judges didn't need to look at the fight too hard. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. It was pretty, uh, it was interesting because Joey Gila- uh, Joe Logano basically took Kyle Busch out of the race. And it is yeah. his home race, remember? He's from Vegas. Oh, that's right. And, yeah. you know, it's a, big, it's a big one for him. And he was looking at a certain third place. Yeah, well, and also we've got a driver coming calling in to the show. We got Matt Bell calling in. I'd like to get his opinion on that. Yeah, we want to get a driver's opinion. He's going to be driving the number fifty-seven Audi uh, in the IMSA at Sebring coming up. So he's going to be talking about his uh, his season and, and next weekend too. So, and also tonight we are live on Facebook Live on the uh, on the Talk thirteen seventy <laughs> Facebook page. So you can check us out there if you're near a computer. So, all right, Jonathan, let's let's talk some more about that NASCAR deal because yeah, that uh, was a full-on punch that. <laughs> that, that was, was a full-on punch, and uh, like I said, you know, in a weird way, and yeah, the pictures of, uh, go check it out, to be honest. Get on the net yeah. and check out um, Carl Bush, Bush's bleeding head, um, because it was wow. a proper fight. He first of all got a punch in on Joey Logano. That was the first round. And then they came out in the second round, and uh, basically everybody else got involved. But when they came down to the 10th round, <laughs> it was the official that, that really impressed me. There was this huge... Huge guy, basically trying to stop Kyle Busch from making any further inroads, and he was struggling. The guy must have been about six six, and yeah, check that out. That's a pretty impressive picture. There's um, blood on his face. That's a proper fight. We're putting but it up on Facebook Live. To be Live. fair, I, I mean, I, you know, like I said, we'll get we'll get the opinion of a proper driver later in the show. But um, to be fair, it was. It could have really gone pear shape because he went flying down the pit lane backwards um, to finish his race. So it was turn yeah. four. You're flat out right through there. They tapped twice. They, they actually hit coming into turn four. That could have been a disaster. And then <clears throat> basically they came back at each other. Um, so it was, it was pr- pretty good stuff, which is all taking away from what <laughs> was the better story of the day and a brilliant story for the day, which was Martin Truex Jr. Uh, taking a win, his uh, first win of the year, and the third different winner of three races now. Uh, Kurt Busch, of course, taking the 500, and Brad Keselowski, who should have won today, uh-huh. and was leading with two laps to go and got a feel for, for Brad. Something went wrong with the car because he went yeah, like, from yeah. first to fifth in no, a matter of no time. I, I, I thought it might have been a tire at first, but I don't think so. So what about the segments, though? How many did... Uh, how, well, Truex won the lot. And now with this new stage um, situation with, with stages, NASCAR, yeah. which I quite like, actually. So basically what they're doing with big races and, and I, you know, with all of these races is making it a stage win. So in other words, you do an 80-lap stint and the winner at that stage will 
because if you often if you know your NASCAR, you'll know that basically a lot of the time, you know, you only need to lead on the last lap. But now you're getting ten points for winning a stage. Truex today won stage one, won stage two. That's twenty points, and then you get forty for winning. So he got sixty points uh, towards his hopes of getting into the chase. And I think that that really, I quite like the way that mixes it up. You know what? I got to be honest. When I'm watching NASCAR. It's on the. It's kind of in the background for the first few hours, right? I'm watching it, but I'm not really sitting there focused on it. And you know, when I see well, that, I, got, I only get up for for pee breaks and popcorn change. <laughs> what are you talking about? But you know, when you you look up and you go, all right, we got ten, twenty laps left. You're really you starting to pay attention. But now with the segments, with uh, you know, yeah, I, you're absolutely right. Right, and I mean, you know, <laughs> law of averages. You look at it, and Jimmy Johnson, seven time champion, it's probably smiling because you know what I love about Jimmy is his consistency. Um, and you know, Brad Keselowski's doing it nowadays, but um, Jimmy, you know, is still right up there. And you, if you look at these stages things you'd say well he's got a good chance him and his crew chief know how to do it and if i'm looking at the whole year of nascar i'm i'm expecting someone like uh, jimmy to come through uh, and be the consistent guy that he's been for so many years yeah i'm going to see how this segment thing plays out because there's there's a lot of people complaining about it the first week really you know uh we talked somebody tweeted at us the first week and they were like you know what i hate it right now but i'm going to give it a chance and see how it goes you know you just gotta the idea i like it on paper and i i haven't sat and watched all the races both races so far real focused to say do i really like this or not you watched most of it today i mean do you think you're gonna like it or not i do i like i just explained i think i think it now gives you like you say that reason not to just tune in at the end where you know i mean there's always a lot of cautions in nascar and there's always a lot of big uh, pileups and smashes but i think now when you're racing that hard for a stage win necessarily and it of course will get, become more and more crucial when you think about it uh towards the end of the year when points do make prizes i mean there's there's gonna be guys who are like hey i'm in sixth place i got you know i gotta go i gotta and also there's there's the idea that you know you've got the fuel strategies too you know when do you when do you come in and you know using yeah. it's it's i think it's gonna make it more interesting and hey hats off to nascar are you listening formula one yeah because they're ready to make the changes and make them strong and make them innovative and keep their audience interested. Yeah. Con, you know, you just said not everybody likes it, but they're talking about it and we're yep. talking about it. So it's a change that, you know, um, when I say, you know, you can also make a bad change like they did in qualifying in Formula 1. But yeah, anyway, that's another year Formula 1, right. So, but anyway. Well, speaking of Formula 1, we're going to come back to this later, but there's been some, uh, you know, when uh, Liberty Media took over, they offered shares to all the teams. Remember, they said they're going to set aside like a billion dollars or something like that. Well, Ferrari is taking them up on that, and we're going to talk about that later. But before we go to Formula 1... I want to talk a little uh, little IndyCar. Ah, yes! Because I know you got to watch all the Indy. I actually was at South by Southwest today, and I have to say the word of the day at South by was disruptive. I think if I took account, the, the word disruptive was mentioned about 40 times in each session. It's such a buzzword thing, but uh, and so we. What, what, what's it mean then? Well, it's, come on now. You know, it's disruptive. It's like it's the new thing. It's like what's going to to be the next big thing. Like uh, Uber was disruptive in the taxi cab industry. So what's going to be the next disruptive thing? It was crazy. I, every time I turn around, somebody was saying disruptive. So we have to apply the word. That's dis- very disrupting. We, <laughs> we have to <laughs> Sorry. Do, have to find a, play, a way to put that in tonight's show. But okay. But let's talk IndyCar. Yes, let's talk IndyCar. Um, great start. Um, I. I I'm going to say it. You know me. I, I take I take these these times to, to make an, a statement, and you always remind me at the end of the season. 
John, I think this is going to be one of the best indie seasons in 10 years. Oh, okay. That's a bold statement. If not 20. Okay, why? Why? We've got a combination of youth, experience, badasses, Indy 500 winners, a lot of teams changing um, their lineups, a lot of experience out there, a lot of really good young rookies, and more importantly, Joseph Newgarten in an American, an American with a chance to win the title. And that doesn't sound that that amazing, but when you really think about it, he's now joined Penske. Penske have, you know, if you've got a Chip Ganassi car or a Penske car, you've got a good chance of winning Indy. Right. Andretti haven't had the success in the last few years, and now with this kid, Joseph Newgarden, he is the blue-eyed boy of Indy, and he should be, because he's paid his dues, he's got all the way through the ranks, and he's good, good, good. And, you know, I think, you know, he didn't win today, but I think that, uh, you know, we're going to see him, Ray Hall, even Marco Andretti, d- despite, yeah. despite the criticism, is out there and had a good result today. But it's a big year. Then you've got Ro- Rossi, who, yeah, absolutely got, you know, got straight into the highlights of, you know, winning, winning the 500, but now wants to show what he can do on a consistent basis. And I think that's going to be interesting because we do have a bona fide Formula One driver who is absolutely capable of running with Carlos Sanz, running with uh, Grosjean and all the rest of it. And I bet you the Formula One boys are watching what he does in Indy and uh, you know again I think he's going to be a sensation uh, Ed Jones has just ju- come in the Brit uh, from Indy Lights he's looking good Spencer Piggott you know you've got a lot of combination stories and then you've got the old hands you've got Scott Dixon hungry again I had a chance to talk to Scott when I was in New Zealand um, and he really is enjoying um, this time in his life and um, and yeah, yeah, he might you have know, four championships, but he wants more. You talked about the the teams, but we'll look at Andretti. What they had, the, they had four cars in the top eleven because Rossi was eleventh, uh, Marco Andretti was seventh, and so four cars in the top eleven. I mean, obviously they they haven't they haven't done as well as the other teams you're talking about, but they've got a, a pretty good start here. Yeah, and I think the other big story of today for me, uh, we'll talk about the winner in a minute, but um, the other big story is Honda. Um, like you know that uh, like I was just talking about Scott Dixon they've swapped to Honda this year Chip Ganassi and everybody was like God is that a good idea because they hadn't really won much yeah they won the 500 but you know that was like running out of fuel and in terms of competitiveness Honda just haven't had uh, you know a candle to hold against Chevy and um they do now. Um, yeah. They really do because they've come off the ranks, and and I'm sure the Honda Motor Company it was one of the. Com- I was working for BT Sport this this morning doing the indie coverage, and yeah. the commentator said, "I bet Alonso's throwing shoes at his TV right now because <laughs> why can't his Honda work that good?" I knew you were going to Honda <laughs> exactly. at Formula One, but I think it actually, it, you know, worldwide Honda are picking up the mantle, and they are also getting involved in TCR. They're getting involved in Rallycross. They, you know, they're getting involved, and they're they're trying to. You know, absolutely, be the number one company in in cars. It's um, a lot of investment and bikes, and, you're right. yeah. and bikes and bikes too. You're right. And you know, it's it's been a real disappointment the Formula One thing. So I I, I don't think there's obviously a lot of correlation between what's going on in Indy and what's going on in Formula One, but it does have a bearing on the company. And I'm sure that Honda want to rectify it as soon as possible. Like I said, I've said it all along. You know, Honda will come good with McLaren, and they will. But they already have uh, now uh, in Indy, and I think it will be something we'll see throughout the year and, and like again you know you, you throw Chip Ganassi at anything they're going to succeed alright so what about Sebastian Bourdais I know what a great <laughs> so what about the French Foreign Legion quite literally <laughs> Simon Pagano qualified 14th the current champion uh, Bourdais Sebastian Bourdais four time champion of Indy 
qualified at the back. Well, he didn't even qualify because he crashed in qualifying. So that means he couldn't go back out. So you lose out. Was that chance. disruptive? That was very, it's certainly for the team it was, <laughs> awfully so. <laughs> and there was a, a, an, an entendant cordial for the Frenchman. He came in, I'm coming to get you, turn five, basically. He took his glasses off. Oh um, my God, he took his glasses off, yeah. He did, and she cried at the end, actually. It was very emotional, Sebastian <laughs> Bourdais. Anyway, it was a brilliant run from the back. And interestingly enough, um, he did a brilliant overtaking maneuver on the champion, Simon Pagino, fellow Frenchman. Uh, you know, there was a quick cut. You could almost see it. he didn't do it, but you know, there was definitely a lot of pleasure. And I, I remember, I said on um, on BT Sport this morning, I said, you know, I think the reason we saw so much emotion from Sebastian Bourdais is that he's joined Dale Coyne Racing, which was everybody said, what, why? You know, that's a tiny team. Yeah, you know, and yeah. it is a tiny team. They have the odd win here and there, um, but but you know, it was a risk. But nobody else had taken him. So effectively, uh, Bourdais took a gamble. He took a, an old crew with him, uh, and you know, they're based in Chicago. So uh, to use the Blues Brothers expression, he was getting the band back together. <laughs> yeah, and very emotional. I'm really happy for him. And he also the way he did it. What what I was trying to say was beating Pagano is really going to be what he wanted because Pagano is has become, you know, the blue-eyed boy after Joseph Newgarden yeah. um, of the series or with that with that championship last year. So as a Frenchman, he really wanted to get some you know kudos back. Look, he won an IndyCar race. You got I can't blame the guy for being emotional. All right, well, we got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk some Formula One. Then, of course, in about fifteen minutes, we got Matt Bell joining us, and we're also going to talk a little World Superbikes because Nikki Hayden was creeping up in the uh, standings this week a little better than last week. Listen to Speed City live from Austin, Texas. Be back in after these messages. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself, Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Envy Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MB Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MB Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Super Sport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Thanks for making the right choice. I don't know where I would get the truth if it weren't for you. Talk 1370. Hi, this is Jay Leno from JayLeno'sGarage.com, and you're listening to Speed City. City. <laughs> Hi, Jay. Hi, Jay. That's not bad. Hi, Jay. <laughs> All right, welcome back. Speed City. Man, it was a miserable day in Austin. What What the heck? 40-something well, degrees? I did not 
come to this area of the world to be cold. <laughs> yeah. I come from a cold area. Well, all the South by people uh, are wandering around. Nobody has coats. It was like Nobody's... England last night. Yeah. It was raining. Well, it's a miserable, miserable. Today, too. You can't see Circuit of the Americas. I'm looking out the window. It's not. It's too, it's too cloudy. Too. I'm going back to New Zealand. It was summer there, man. Well, it's uh, Austin is a buzz with South by. In fact, I, I was talking to somebody and, and uh, they said, well, "Austin, is, how is it with you know with uh, you know how the natives deal with South by?" And I said, "They don't. They, they go home." I said, "A lot of them leave." And I said, "A lot of them thought that Formula One was going to be that way." And he said, "Oh, Formula One. Yeah, I heard that was in Austin." And I said, "I said and we were talking about the impact on the city." And I said, "Yeah, actually, Formula One has doubled the the economic impact yeah. of South by." And he was like, "No way." Yeah. And I said, "What's your uh, what's your email?" And I sent him the link to to this impact study that it shows it's the same company that did the South by study yeah. and did the Formula One study. Showing five hundred and eight million dollars worth of impact from what is it? The Bobby says, "What is it? Ten million in tips and in gratuities." That's, that's right. Just, it's a great yeah. line. But the fact that it is almost double what South by. I mean, obviously South by is fantastic for the city, but uh, let's don't let's don't forget what uh, what Formula One does. And uh, closely followed by MotoGP. You know, I was looking at MotoGP the other day. Man, that crowd for MotoGP is great. And of course, if you haven't got your tickets yet, April twenty first yep. at twenty third. Also, come to the test. That's we'll right. Be at the test. That's right. The Moto America, and that's test. the Moto America test because Moto America, of course, have their first round on the same weekend that MotoGP. So if you're an American motorcycle fan, you can't not be in Austin. Yeah, John's got a spare couch. Sure, <laughs> and Les has probably got just one. Shoot me. I'll just put my address Les up. Les is famous for having taken in the waves and strays. He'll he'll let you stay. Yeah, we haven't talked about Les. He's Les got empty taking, rooms now. He's taking the night off. I think he's going to see a concert. Taking his wife. Yeah, what, on a, what's that I, all about? I, I, I don't know. I, I I just I just said yes, sir. And when he said he <laughs> yes, sir, he is the man. Maybe he's cutting the ribbon. <laughs> he is the man. That's <laughs> true. Pat Benadar going. Hey, hey, Les, get up here. We need to start this thing. <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk. Speaking of Formula One, let's talk some Formula One. Right. I'm with. Uh, there's several stories. I want to start with the one about Ferrari taking uh, Liberty Media up on their offer to buy. Taking a liberty, aren't they? Taking, taking liberty. Taking a liberty. And, and they bought some shares because, you know, Formula One came out. I mean, Liberty Media came out and said when they bought Formula One that they were going to offer up shares for the teams. And nobody bid at first, but Ferrari stepped up. There's, there's a couple of aspects of this story I really like. One, uh, Liberty are taking you know, but one part I really like about this is they've got to change the model, right? Uh, it's been done one way, literally, since Bernie's era back in yeah. the early 70s, and it's been massively successful. Let's not, I, I keep saying that, you can't reiterate it. Right. It's now the biggest sport in the world, thanks to Bernie Eccleston. But he had a way of doing things that perhaps doesn't necessarily, and it certainly has over the years, wrangled the teams. When Bernie took over Formula One, the teams had no money. And there was hardly any spot. There wasn't any sponsorship. So he turned this into a money-making factory for all of these teams. Now you've got big sponsors, you've got big TV, and you've got big manufacturers involved. And it's always been lopsided towards Ferrari, because if you've got to remember your history here, Ferrari were, the, if you like, back in 1950 was the first ever Grand Prix at Silverstone, right? Back in that day, Ferrari, Enzo Ferrari, ruled all, especially in car racing. And it was, he used to laugh, Enzo used to laugh at the English, the yeah. baby English manufacturers bringing their, bringing their cars. Bringing you their know, toys. Bringing their toys. What do they know? And so Ferrari were always the most powerful thing in Formula One. And, and that has been in the Concord agreements over the years, 
also the way that the power has been spread. Ferrari have always had a bigger say. It's never really been that public until probably about 10 years ago, just what a hold Ferrari had. And, and what you mean by that is how mu- they get a, a disproportionate share Correct. of the money. Of the money that is yeah distributed to the teams. So that has always wrangled the lights of Red Bull, uh, who came in you know a lot later. And, um, you know, uh, <laughs> you know a complete, complete, they are the, the quintessential sort of modern Formula One team. It's, you know, it's a drinks maker. You know, so it's got nothing yeah. to do with cars per se. Uh, and then you've got McLaren, who are a big player too. Um, and then you've got the smaller teams and the smaller teams. And we've lost one in Manor at the beginning um, of the year. Um, and there's been failed teams like the US uh, team that failed to get in on the grid. Um, yeah. That was a fear for Haas and, and Haas did the right thing and waited an extra year before they came and developed and also did a brilliant deal with Ferrari to become effectively their junior team and as Toro Rosso are a junior team um, as well. But companies like Sauber struggled year in, year out to make the budgets and um, I think that's what I'm in a long-winded way of saying that's what Liberty is trying to rectify and I think it's a brilliant idea because like a modern day company, you buy shares in a company, you're invested. Yeah. And if you buy 80% of the shares, you're going to get a bigger vote. Yeah. So I think it's so, somewhat ironic because when this was first posted a few weeks ago by Liberty, nobody took it up yeah. because I don't think anybody really... Uh, Ross, Bourne made, Ross Braun made a very uh, interesting comment, which was, um, I mean, he's now part of, you know... Um, the, the Liberty setup and the new look Formula One. But um, one of the comments, sorry, it wasn't Ross Braun that said it. It was, I think it was Christian Horner, but um, saying it to Ross Braun, which is, what are we buying into here? What are we buying shares of? Yeah, the Concord yeah. Agreement changes in 2020. So, you know, 2020. So basically, what we're trying to say is, what you know, if, I, if you're offering me a share, what's the share of? If it's going <laughs> to change, yeah. yeah, what are you going to sell me? But you know? for, anyway, long story short, Ferrari have gone in, not in a big way. But in a way that I think the other teams will follow, because I think all the teams should be invested in some way, shape or form. And that's what will make the modern Formula One or the new look Formula One um, a greater asset to all of them. Yeah, it looks like about a $12 million in cash and another $3 million in some stock equities. So, you know, let's say roughly $14, $15 million. But let me ask you this. Do you think, you know, we talk about Ferrari versus, like you said, there's been times when other teams have been dominant, right? In fact, it's been a while since Ferrari's been dominant on the track. I mean, currently, Mercedes' crazy dominance, Red Bull's recent dominance. I mean, we've had times when McLaren was dominant, Williams. McLaren and Honda won 15 of 16 races. Yeah, so there's (laughs) been these, these periods, but Ferrari still got that disproportionate share of the money. Do we think that that's going to change when there is a new agreement? It's a delicate one because, um, you know, the truth of the matter is, uh, and now we get to brands, and this is one thing that, that Bernie was right on, definitely for sure. The Ferrari brand, I mean, the, the argument, because, you know, there's always been talk of breakaways and the rest of it. And basically, you take Ferrari out of the picture, and every, a lot of people would argue that Formula One would not be the same without that mark. Um, you know, new teams will come and go, and new teams like Haas can come in and be part of the fold. But without Ferrari, it's such a benchmark and it's such an iconic think of it. Um, brand. Well, think of it this way. Look, what does every driver, if you ask any driver what's their going, look at Sebastian Vettel. He was sitting uh, four championships in a row and left and said, I'm going to Ferrari because to them it is, you know, the pinnacle. 
Drive F1 for Ferrari. Your career career is complete then. But, you know, we're also of a a generation that do get weepy-eyed, both both about the noise and about the name Ferrari. Um, Perhaps we shouldn't. I mean, what if Tesla came in to Formula One and, you know, started started doing what they do really well? Uh, And what if the world started going towards more electric racing and they became... You know what I mean? The the world changes. I mean, you know, I'm sure we'd all get teary-eyed if uh, Tom Brady hung up, you know, uh, hung up his boots just as Tom... uh, Tony Romo has in football terms um, because, you know, uh, Lionel Messi will eventually stop playing soccer as will Wayne Rooney. And, you know, these are iconic figures. You know, I'm afraid, you know, the Bulls have lost Jordan, but, you know, new names come in. So, yeah, I mean, you know what? You're exactly right. It's a great example of South by Today. Everything moves so fast. I heard it was All disruptive the, today. And there were so many. I mean, every every torn, corner you turned, there was a startup doing this and fascinating ideas about this and this. And the world is changing so fast. So, but thinking back to going back to Ferrari, when you talk to people about racing and you and you think about the Ferrari, the car, the road cars themselves. There's just there's no comparison. Yeah, Mercedes makes some amazing road cars, even at the highest end, and and arguably uh, close to as fast as Ferrari. And McLaren does the same thing with their road cars, uh, but but nobody compares to Ferrari in that world. You know, it, it, they are the pinnacle of the of the sports car manufacturer. There's, I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. Yeah, Ducati and Ferrari have managed to create a, a lifestyle. Out of the That's brand. what it is. Yes. A lifestyle, iconic, aspirational tool, if you will. Mercedes have tried to, you know, have copied it and, and, and not Lamborghini, it, you could yeah, argue. Yeah, but yeah. not so. I think Ferrari's still still a benchmark. Talking of the benchmark, we're looking at the uh, uh, test times. Oh, yeah. And yeah. they're also walking the walk and talking the talk. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen, mwah. Mwah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Kimi, I love that. Yeah. Every every interview, every, you've got to look it up on YouTube. Look up, look at, look at. What's uh, the hashtag? B- mwah. B W. Hashtag B O A H. Uh, yeah. yeah, something like that. Kimi Raikkonen, fastest, uh, 118.6, 111 laps. Verstappen in the Red Bull, 119.4. Uh, this is all at Barcelona. They've been testing at Barcelona. Carlos Sanz doing a really good job uh, for Toro Rosso there, up there. Bottas has uh, definitely got to grips with the Mercedes. He was actually quicker than Hamilton, but by a smidgen. Uh, and they did equal amount of laps. Uh, can you draw much conclusion? Ferrari, yeah. uh, Vettel's who's saying, sandbagging, who's not? You know, <laughs> while Kimmy's going, um, <laughs> Vettel's saying not much either. What I'm getting at is that you don't. They don't sandbag, but they also don't. What you see here in Barcelona won't necessarily be what Vettel's come out and said is Mercedes is still a target. Just because yeah, we, yeah. we come to the top of a couple of tests doesn't mean that Ferrari are going into this season going, hey, we got this. Uh, there's always a surprise at Albert Park. I think the surprise will be Red Bull. Ah, okay. I think, uh, And I think Mercedes will be. I, I, here's the front row. Okay, <laughs> there you go. That's an easy way to do this. Hamilton, Bottas, Ricardo. No. Hamilton, Ricardo, Verstappen, Bottas. Okay. And I want everybody out there to give me your first two rows of Formula One. Ah, there you go. Right in, or callers, in fact. Yeah. You hey, Kelly, there, there's a job for you. Well, you didn't want, you wanted to give a shout out to our top fan. I know. I know. Kevin, Kevin Kelly, one of our top fans. He, we he, love you, mate. He tweeted at us. He said, uh, don't forget the time change. Thanks. I needed it. <laughs> don't, don't forget to get to studio on time. I almost with missed the my indie show. So could you call him a little bit earlier next year? <laughs> By the way, if you do want to call in, 512 643 live, 512 643 5483. All right, we're going to take a break, guys, because when we come back, 
We've got Matt Bell going to join us, going to talk about driving the Audi R8 in IMSA Sebring next weekend. He's racing for Stevenson Racing. So uh, we'll be back after these messages. Tune in back to Speed City. Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself, Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Ambia Gusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Ambia Gusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutale Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Ambia Gusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Here, when you need us, Talk 1370 is the right choice. Hi, this is Mario Andretti, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. Yeah, I, I, that's awesome. We have one of the greatest racing drivers of all time I on know. Speed City. Yeah, we've interviewed him a couple times. Are you kidding? Mario will give anybody time, fans, media, whoever. And I, when the circuit in the Americas announced that that was the ambassador, I was just like, I'm going to meet him? <laughs> I know. And I've spent hours with the guy, and I love it! You know what? I have to tell you, because was when we first started Speed City, and I, had to, I was going to do an interview with him, and I had to do a recording, and I had the little MP3 recorder, and I was so nervous. I thought, you know what? I don't know if I got the settings right. I'm going to turn on my iPhone, too, and I held them both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it turns goal. out I screwed up because I had to, the uh, iPhone was my backup. That was the only way I got Speed that Speed City correspondents and wannabe correspondents of the future. Good, ba- good little point for you. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, you know what? I want to talk about Mario. We got Matt Bell holding just one second, Matt, because Mario tweeted today, and it was a fantastic tweet. I want to see if I can find it because... He tweeted out uh, a an awesome. Oh darn! Let me see if I can find it. He was uh, here. He is. He, he said uh, Ken Griffey Jr. suited up today in IndyCar's race. He said, uh, you know, Ken, ba- baseball player. He yeah. said, don't worry, Ken. It's like watching a 180 mile an hour fastball. You got this. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it was great. All right. Well, we're going to go to our guest now because we have a fantastic race car driver on the line and he is getting ready for Sebring. We have Matt Bell, who's uh, racing the number 57 Audi in Sebring next week. Matt, welcome back to Speed City. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Uh, we really appreciate it. So uh, that uh, 57 Audi looks pretty awesome, that R8. So uh, tell us tell us about what you're about to do and how your season's been so far. Um, well, the season's 
really just uh, just kicked off. Um, but um, as far as mileage goes, we've we've already run the car about as much as we're going to do the rest of the season. So we, we had the, the 24-hour of Daytona already. Uh, we did quite well there. We were quite happy with how we did. Um, and uh, the IMSA schedule then puts the next longest race directly after it, which is obviously uh, the 12-hour of Sebring, um, which um, I, I think we're going to do pretty well at the, the car. We tested well there recently. Um, we've tested there, uh, or we, we did reasonably well last year, especially in, um, in the bad weather. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we're all optimistic. I think we're excited to get into it. Awesome. Well, so, uh, you know, we've, we've been watching a couple of the Stevenson drivers and stuff this year, but so who's going to be driving with you? Um, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Andrew and Lawson with me in in the car, um, and that's that's mostly due to the um, uh, due to the restrictions that are placed on us through the the, the driver rating system. Um, so Robin is mostly focusing right now on the uh, on the GS program that we're going to actually our, our first race will be at Circuit of the Americas. Yeah, awesome. we want to talk about that. Yeah, well, so let's talk about, uh, you know, you're from uh, California, right? Yep. And we have so many drivers on the show that are from all over the world, and it's just, I love it to have Has American... it stopped raining yet? <laughs> yeah. Good... Yeah, today's actually, the last couple of days have been beautiful. It, it, it always seems to do this. It gets really good right before it leaves. <laughs> so tell me about the Camaro GT4. Um, well, you might know as much about it as I do. Um, <laughs> I actually haven't seen it, um, but uh, I know uh, Lawson has just had some success with it uh, in St. Pete. Uh, the first qualifying session it it has ever done, it went and got pole. So that's that's really impressive. Lawson's got to get that done. Um, you know, he and I have both had. Uh, pretty long careers with the with the Camaro platform so um you know I, I think he's going to do great in PwC and I'm I'm hoping that Robin and I'll do quite well with the uh in, in the GS class but um the the car's different it it's not really it's it's not an evolution necessarily of the Z28 that we left off with uh that that car essentially is going away or or has already left um, with kind of the change from GS over to essentially a global GT4. Um, the GT4 class on paper is, is really just GT3 light. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, the, the cars are really similar to GT3 cars, um, yeah. but they're, they're based a little bit more on, on the road car. Uh, that said, I, I think I'm going to miss a little bit the, the old H patterns. I'm going to miss um, the, the really... Uh, I guess road car based aspects of of the GS class, but at the same time, I'm, I'm really excited for the prospects that the, the GT4 cars uh, are, are bringing. And and I think uh, GS is really a, a, a prime spot to to showcase these, these new GT4 cars. Well, you brought it up. I just want to touch on this a little bit. The Camaro has become the road going Camaro based on the the same chassis as the CTSV. It has become a force in handling and an overall balanced car. The new ZL1 that was they've just started hitting, the magazines are testing, Motor Trend tested one, and they're saying it was faster than the McLaren. It was faster than the BMW M series. Uh, this is around, this is with Randy Pope's a race car driver driving it around yeah, yeah. either Willow Springs or one of those out in California. I mean, they're saying it is a phenomenal 
unbelievable platform that's faster than cars that are, you know, multiples, you know, and Camaros have always done that in a straight line. But now we're talking about, you know, handling and braking and and straight line performance. It's really an amazing platform. And I, I know that the GT4 is going to be the GT4R that you get to drive. I know it's not quite the same thing based on all that, but it's got to be a uh, it's going to be a, a huge leap forward, I would imagine. It, I, absolutely. Um, you know, I actually haven't had really any laps around the track in the in the new Gen Six Camaro, so I'm I'm excited to to give it a shot. But I I think this this isn't this isn't the General Motors of the '90s. This, this <laughs> yeah. Is, you know, this is an engineering powerhouse, and and when they make the decision to put something to the public, um, it. It's it's really going to be an impressive thing. Look at the new Z06. Um, look at the Z28 with the Camaro 5. I mean that. Yeah. On on paper, that car should never have been able to do what it did. Right. Um, and and of course, there's going to be shortcomings for essentially a holding Commodore chassis with that much power with with uh, that much thought toward making it go around the racetrack fast. And I think all of those have been addressed with the new car. And uh, the ZL11 LE, I think, really is is a great, uh, I guess, identifier for for what General Motors can really do if if they put their skunk works toward a road car. And I don't think I've spoken to anyone about that car, that that road car, um, race car drivers, car enthusiasts, like a dentist. I don't think there's <laughs> anyone that that doesn't want that car. I mean, that that's. That's kind of the the Nissan GTR of of, of this year, and um, it's just so impressive. Now, while the GT4 car doesn't um, doesn't share a powertrain um, with that car, the new body I think is one of the most aggressively awesome uh, body shapes that I, I think any American manufacturers come out with, and, and honestly, I think one of the greatest true hot rod bodies that I've seen in a while. Um, and and I'm I'm just excited to see that thing go around the track. I know I'm looking uh, at a, a picture of it right now. Yeah, I'm, actually, looking at, I'm looking at it over your shoulder. Yeah, that is an amazing looking car. But uh, two points you talked about General Motors. Arguably, right now, there's several people that claim that the ATSV is the best handling car on the planet. I mean, we're talking about a, a midsize four door sedan from Cadillac. Yeah, arguably. Because the way they describe the magnetic suspension that's on that, that, by the way, Cadillac invented back in the 90s, which is now licensed by Ferrari. Think, think about that for just a moment. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're talking about a technology license that was built for back in the 90s Cadillacs. We're talking boats, sedan de villes. You know, it came out on the STS, the Cadillac uh, STS. But that magnetic suspension on the ATSV is just magical, the way they describe how... You know, it can soak up a bump, totally keep the car planted to the ground, uh, and 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 you know make up for any uh, misgivings or whatever. So it's just the technology that GM has devoted to handling and engineering. It's got to trickle down to that GT four that you're about to get to drive later this year. Yeah, and Matt, you know, I, go, go ahead, Matt. Uh, no, I, all I was going to say is is I I, I would. I would agree. I, I think that's the case, and and I got a chance to drive both the ATSV and the CTSV um, at Sonoma, and uh, in, in fact, actually, I, I coached some people uh, for Auto Week in the ATSV, and we coached them alongside the new M4. And the interesting thing was, pretty, <laughs> everyone kind of agreed the same way, where they basically said 
the M4 is is obviously a great car. They they went into the test knowing it was a great car, but the one that surprised them the most was the ATS-V, and and I I would have to agree. I mean, it's it's just such a, an awesome car, and obviously, as you guys pointed to, it, it shares a platform with the with the new Camaro Six, and obviously our GT4 car. You know, Matt, it's great to hear you talk so proudly about American cars, and I can I can take a little humble pie here as a European um, who's come to the states. Um, you know, we've always been in Europe very snobbish towards American cars. Yes, there's lots of power. Yes, there's lots of muscle. But what Corvette are doing and have done for the last ten years, what uh, Cadillac are doing, what uh, you know the Camaro you just mentioned, and uh, you know, and so on and so forth. Uh, you're right. We're we're back in an era now, uh, and John quite rightly put it that the handling now and the precision which I think you know has been gleaned off the likes of Audi and BMW who have been making great cars for, for a long time um, but but you know I, I really do think that now uh, they are on a par if not and, and the Le Mans results certainly in the GT category shows um, you know America is back I, I agree and, and that's, a, that's a great thing you know gr- growing up um, even in the uh, <laughs> I don't want to get too political, but even in California, where we don't we don't share all the same um, sort of red, white, and blue uh, tendencies that the rest of the country does, especially with car type, um, you can't grow up here without loving some American car, right? It, it, yeah. It's rare to go into some uh, teenage boy's room without seeing a poster of, of you know a Cobra or a Camaro or a Corvette or something along those lines. True. Yeah. Um, but but at the same time, I, I definitely grew up in an era where European cars were, were definitely reigning supreme, especially in California. Uh, like, I got you. Um, it, 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 you know, and and so now I I'm really happy and, and really proud to see um, these American muscle cars back up some of their muscle with with just proper engineering, and and they really they really are fun. Even the Camaro Five One LE. Um, I got to play around with those a few times on the racetrack, and it, honestly, it's one. It, it was one of the best handling rear-wheel drive modern sports cars that I've I've ever driven around the racetrack. Not in peak lateral G, not in top speed, um, just in in the characteristics it had, in, in the in in how it entered corners, how it exited corners, how it it uh, how it planted the nose while you're braking for the corner, all the feedback it gave you. And I, I think if, if we were back in 1995 and you brought that car back in time and showed someone, they would probably have said that's a BMW, but it, it wasn't. And, yeah. and I'm really happy to see that that's, that's the trend. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And then speaking of California, and, you know, we, we talk about the... the uh, proverbial poster on the wall from the 60s, 70s, 80s, or whatever. You know, the California one? Tesla. I mean, yeah. my, my gosh, we're talking about cars that do 0 to 60 in the low twos now, 2-4 or whatever. Uh, amazing American technology. And uh, that's something to be proud of if, you know, if, if you're talking about the California lifestyle. And I'd happily take a, a Tesla P100D. No problem there here. You go. Hey, Matt. Uh, after, well, yeah, go ahead. I got a question for you. Did you watch the uh, NASCAR today? I, I did not watch ah. the NASCAR race today. Okay, because we wanted you... The only reason being that there was a crash at the end of it uh, between Joey Logano In and Kyle Busch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, guess what? A fight broke out afterwards. But a real one, too. No. You'll, you'll, you'll want to check this. Wow. Um, yeah, Logano and Kyle Busch on the last corner came together, and basically Logano took Busch uh, down the pit lane, or he went down the pit lane and therefore didn't finish. So then uh, Kyle um, uh, got, got out the 
the car and went, went a couple of rounds with Joey. Got a, got a decent punch in before the whole of the rest of the Penske uh, team crowded in. Bloodied his head. But I want to, yeah, maybe you can tweet out your opinion of that crash <laughs> after the show because we'd like to get a proper racing driver's uh, opinion on uh, who was at fault and whether Kyle was just being a bush. Because um, <laughs> we, know, we know they like a fighter too. Uh, do you follow Formula One then? How about that? Um, I, I, yeah, I, I try to as much as I can. All right. Who's your front row for the first race at Albert Park? We, I, can <laughs> t- I can tell you Ferrari and Mercedes have been up in there and testing if you haven't followed the testing. But uh, who do you think is going to be uh, the guys to watch this year? You know, I, I don't want to say I'm a huge Hamilton fan. It, like as far as I, I think Hamilton's a great driver. And I think when it comes down to it, regardless of what you think, yeah, what, what you think of him as a as a person of his personality, he definitely knows how to get it done. So, um, I I never really gamble against Lewis on that stuff. Um, boy, uh, but but outside pole, that that's gonna that's a. I don't know. What, what, what do you guys think? Well, I went for my front row, and I, I put my you know I put my marker down there. So Hamilton pole, Ricardo at home, uh, second with the Red Bull. Then Verstappen, his teammate, and then Bottas, who's in the second you know is in the other um, Mercedes now. So that was my. But I, I haven't included Ferrari, so I don't know why I did that. I was just going to say I'll I'll take yours and I'll insert Kimi Raikkonen in second. How about that? So yeah, I'm just translating. I'm just I'm translating. Not Sebastian what, Vettel either. I just so if you get this subject matter again, uh, <laughs> Matt, here's what I'm going. I've come up for a phrase for you. It's not that I don't like uh, Hamilton, but too much bling, but he sure can win. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That is that is about the perfect way. <laughs> and actually, honestly, I I feel essentially the, the other way about Ricardo because I, yeah. I've, um, I have huge respect for, for Daniel Ricardo as a, as a person and, and um, I, I guess the more personal side of his driving. Uh, but but I just I don't know if he if he's the guy necessarily to beat someone like like Lewis Hamilton and and um, like if I was hanging out with both of them I I probably wouldn't talk to Lewis and Daniel seems like my kind of person so yeah well um, you're right on I, on that account <laughs> I think I think Daniel yeah. Ricardo's got a little more fire in there than you know he is a nice guy and he's a nice guy in person too and but I think I think there's some fire some some competitiveness there that I mean obviously to this level you have to be but I think he's got more than we give him credit for. I, I think you might be right. Um, you know, I, I, um, uh, I, I'm trying to remember what the, there was a there was a whole film series. Well, it's not film, is it? Cause it's, it's digital. I don't know. What, I don't know why I said film, but there's a video <laughs> series that um, my, my wife does the same thing. She says film. Let's, let's watch yeah. the film. Like, yeah, we all do it. Don't worry. Projector. Roll the yeah, tape um, back. <laughs> <laughs> what tape? Um, yeah, there's no tape. Roll like, the memory chips back. Digital tape for a little while. Um, <laughs> But uh, the, uh, Red Bull did a whole video series uh, about Daniel Ricciardo. It wasn't necessarily about him, but it, it almost seemed like they picked him for the guy anyway. But him going from, um, I guess, Formula Renault up to Formula One, and, and it really was interesting seeing everyone's personalities. And, and I guess I just I really liked how he handled everything. And he wasn't always the fastest guy. Um, he he lost quite often to his teammates, but I just I really enjoyed watching. I guess behind the scenes of of what his personality really is like, because it, it is difficult to see it um, on the Formula One broadcast stuff. Obviously, their their job there is is like it's less so to find drama as it is in NASCAR, and it's a little bit more to to I guess showcase their driving talent. And and obviously, anyone can put a put a mask on and make themselves seem interesting. And that's why I love hearing these 
these Kenny stories, um, uh, you don't have to stumble far across Twitter or Facebook to see a Lewis story. Um, but but really hearing what Daniel Ricardo is like is, is, I don't know, it's fun. It seems like a really awesome guy. And you picked the right guy for me anyway, because I've known Daniel since he was 15, because he was in, he came straight out of Australia and the Australian single-seater scene uh, still isn't that strong. And so he came to Asia where I did the Formula BMW championship. And he unfortunately found himself up about a guy that you've probably raced against and certainly know, Earl Bamber <laughs> and another Australian, Sam Arbe. And between Arbe and Bamber, they were won all the races and Ricardo had to come third. I want to say I don't think he won a race that season. <laughs> it was totally dominated by Bamber and we all know where he's gone. Um, but, you know, and that's why it, the tenacity of Daniel Ricardo to get to Formula One after what was, well, what must have been a debilitating start to his real first international foray um, and now he's the guy, you know, doing the business at Formula One and he was the one of that group that, if you like, made it to Formula One. Um, says everything about the guy. I, I agree, and, and and that I think was was really my point that I was trying to make. It's exactly the point you made, which, which is he's. He, I, I I honestly think perhaps his his personality is why he's getting all this, or why he's having enjoying the success. And, and I, I I actually like stories like that because um, I guess in in a level of Formula One, it, it is really easy to just segregate everyone based on statistic yeah. uh, because it is such close racing and, and there is there is a incredibly finite number of drivers and teams that, that have the opportunity to do it and when they do have that opportunity they're all very close um, and so it's, it's very easy to say okay first second third but in the rest of the world in sports car racing there, there are so many shades of gray um, within the results that, that really you can you can hide um, or, or I guess, really advertise talent quite easily, and um, in, in maybe in, in misleading ways. So it's fun to watch. Um, I guess someone that, that seems like his personality, his, his intelligence, is really why he's there. And, and I, I do rate the guy quite high as a driver. Obviously, he's doing something amazing. But um, it was really fun. I guess to digress a little bit, it was very fun watching that um, that series and seeing how. Someone like that was able to progress all the way through Red Bull up into Formula One. Yeah. Well, Matt, we've got to we got to wrap it up, but we really appreciate you, Matt Bell, coming on the show. Good luck with the Stevenson Motorsports team uh, racing the Audi and, and Sebring next week. It's going to be awesome, and uh, good luck in the rest of the season. Yeah. And of course, we'll see you here in Austin in uh, at Circuit of the Americas and driving that Camaro as well. So, thank you very much, Matt Bell, for coming on Speed City. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me on. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. See you soon. All right, we got to take a break. You're listening to Speed City Live in Austin, Texas, and we will be back after these messages. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself, Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. The Racetrack, it's where legends are born. 
where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin and Rolls-Royce Motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. Talk 1370, the right choice. My name is Christina Nelson, and this is Speed City. And I hope she has a good season this year. Yeah, absolutely. Good girl power. She's very good. Les Kaiser has his footprint on every show. The music, though. He does, doesn't he? That's his choice. It's awesome. All right, so, Jonathan, you've been bugging me about this story you've been wanting to talk about, Surtees. Yeah. Um, sadly, uh, to this week, um, the world of motorsport um, has lost one of its greatest. Uh, 83 years of age, to be fair, he had a good innings, as we say in England. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, John Surtees has passed away, finally, at the age of, third, uh, at the age of 83. But in my mind... Um, I'm going to read you his stats in a minute, and I don't think you are aware, and a lot of people aren't aware. First of all, his one, you know, one big stat, he was the only man to win both the Motorcycle GP or Motorcycle uh, Championship, Grand Prix Championship, and the Formula One World Championship. Oh, wait, wait. So he won Motorcycle? On two and four. Yeah, that... So uh, Schumacher didn't do that. Valentino... No, nobody's done that, right? Nobody's done any, that. No one else has done it, right? No, no. Absolutely yeah, that, no one's done it. But listen to this. So he won the 500cc motorcycle world championship when there were 500ccs, mind you, in 56, 58, 59, and 1960 on an MV Augusta. Oh, yeah. Yeah? He then went into Formula One and won 22 Formula One races and... Uh, sorry, he won uh, six of his 111 starts. He also took third place in a Ferrari at Le Mans in 1964. <laughs> the, the the story I want to tell you was he went on, though, to be involved in motorsport. And probably my greatest motor racing moment, I never raced a car, but I went karting on a corporate day, whatever. And that doesn't sound too exciting, but I got on the podium and we did very well. It was a very corporate affair and it was just a bunch of blokes out of their suits, just mooning around, but I had a good time. And I got up on the podium, and I get to get my, my third prize. Who presents it? John Surtees. He goes, well done. I said, oh, my gosh, this, this, this piece of plastic cup is nothing. I get to shake the greatest hand in motor racing, and you're giving me a motor racing prize. So that, that was it. I was done. I went home. I flew for about three weeks after that. That's awesome. Lovely, lovely man. And uh, if you don't know John Surtees uh, and you're not aware of his history, look him up. Uh, I think How do you spell the last name? S-U-R-T-E-E-S. Surtees. John Surtees, yeah. A fantastic uh, ambassador for the sport and a true gentleman. Uh, sadly, sadly missed. Well, we got a. I want to talk about World Superbikes too. Um, yeah, talking to bikes. Yeah, talking to bikes. But um, yeah, go ahead. Let's talk. Let's jump to Superbikes. Let's do that. Well, Superbikes went to. Oh God, I watched a lot of motorsport this weekend. <laughs> Superbikes was in Thailand this weekend, and they were at the Buram Circuit, where I've been last year for touring cars and um, and GTs. Um, great circuit. Um, Thailand's really coming on in its motorsport. Um, but it was the f- uh, four four races in now, effectively two rounds, two rounds at Phillip Island, both won by Johnny Ray. 
And again, he did it again. The Kawasaki man, world champion, he blitzed everybody. And they've even got a reverse grid now for race two. So he he started started at the bottom, right? Yeah. So, you know, pretty, pretty impressive. So he's won all the races so far. All races so far. Chaz Davis is keeping him honest. He's second in the championship, and that's the Ducati. I think they will come good, but they're going to have to come good quick because uh, it's the first time, and the commentator got it right because I was there. First time since 2003 when another Brit, uh, um, Neil Hodson from Burnley, Lancashire uh, <laughs> got the first four wins in a row and then went on to dominate and then he lost a lot of the, le- uh, the low, uh, later races in the year and made it very close with him and his teammate Ruben Zass but uh, he is starting off brilliantly and the others have got to start winning if, or he's going to run away with it and he's going to make superbikes really boring uh, quick footnote Nicky Hayden uh, yeah, Stefan Bradle Bradle fell off Hayden did get another top finish he started in the reverse grid six um, not a bad result uh, and those who are saying well why is Nicky so far down it's a brand new bike guys uh honda have finally got a new bike it's gonna take some time to dial in and i hope that by the time he comes here for laguna in july he's up to speed and wouldn't that be special if nikki is flying at laguna yeah that would be special and you know look he quick plug for jill there in in laguna because she's a good friend and so yeah get your tickets for laguna too well and i know it's only been two weeks but he he did better this week than last week moved up so if he keeps doing that who knows yeah it's gonna be a good season but like i said they got to rein uh, Ray in because he's uh, he's a gritty-eyed Irishman and, and once he gets his mindset on something he ain't gonna go. He's he quite happily win all the races. All right, we gotta wrap it up. And if you heard a, a British voice talking NASCAR, tell your friends Speed City. <laughs> yeah, baby. All right, thanks. Boogity boogity boogity. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out on our website, SpeedCityBroadcast.com. Talk to you next week. Adios, amigos.